Luke 24, we'll start with verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, I want to focus here on verse 49. Jesus said, I'm, I'm sending you a promise. Or if we could say it this way, a promise has been made by the Father. And I'm going to send it. I'm going to fulfill that promise. All right? The Father's made us a promise. And the Lord said, I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to send that promise upon you. But, he said, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, the promise is coming. It's going to happen. I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until it happens. And um, I know when I take a text, we usually pray, but I'm, I really am not intending for this to be my message tonight. I'm just going to tell you some things that I'm feeling right now. So uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts. You can be seated. And if we go into our lesson, we'll have you stand again to honor the text. But there are some things that I, I really have felt, as I said, all day today, I've just been feeling this. And, and I think that, uh, no, I know that I am safe in saying that a great revival began at Pentecost. Anybody agree with that? Now, now look, we use the word revival. It means a restoration. It means a bringing back to life. And you understand that what happened at Pentecost did just that. Really, what happened at Pentecost was not only the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, but in one sense, it was the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy of the valley of dry bones. For Israel was that valley of dry bones. And they came together, and what was the final thing that happened to them? The final thing that took place in the valley of dry bones is when the Lord told Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind and let the wind blow and when the wind blew upon those at this time corpses then they stood up on their feet an exceeding great and mighty army and I'm telling you that's what happened at Pentecost we know about the wind of Pentecost and I'm telling you there's a reason why it came into that room as a rushing mighty wind. It was resurrecting what God had intended for Israel to be all along. This was a revival. It was a revival. You're going to help me for a few minutes tonight. I, I know I'm just talking, but I'm, I'm talking and preaching and teaching. and I don't know how you put all three of those words together, but... Whatever it is, I still want to hear some response here. 
Go to Acts chapter, and in fact, just open your Bible to Acts. We're going to, I've got a few verses I want to read here, but go, go over to chapter 2 and uh, look at what happened. We know this, but I, I'm going somewhere tonight. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, Acts 2 and 41 says, And they that they gladly, that gladly received his word were baptized. Were baptized. And the same day and there the were added unto them about 3,000 3, souls. Is this a revival or is this a revival? 3,000 and if you count those that had already received it, 3,120 on that one day. That, my friend, is a revival. It's a revival. But I want you to notice when uh, I read to you from Luke 24 and 49 that Jesus simply told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and tarry until this revival began. Now, he did not say when it would begin. He did not tell them it was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. Are you out there tonight? He did not tell them it was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. He just said, go and wait till it happens. It's going to happen. It will come to pass. The things the Father promises always come to pass. But you just wait till it comes. Now, I do believe that it came on the day of Pentecost for a reason. The, the, the Jewish holiday of Pentecost was, was uh, uh, the feast of, of uh, unleavened bread. It was a time when they took two loaves one leavened, one unleavened, waved them before the Lord. And, and I believe that God instituted that holiday as a symbol of what the church would become because it was not only going to be the leavened, if you please, uh, or the unleavened bread of the Jews, but a second loaf was going to be added to the, to the church, and that was the leavened bread of the Gentiles. God was going to take what they considered to be both clean and unclean and put them together in one great celebration. So I believe it was the will of God that it happened on Pentecost. But, but I'm going to tell you, he didn't, he didn't tell them go and wait until Pentecost. He didn't say wait until 50 days after the Passover. He just said wait till it happens. Wait till it happens. And while I do believe there was significance in it coming at Pentecost, I also contend tonight that there was something else that he was waiting on himself. I, I think that he told them to wait because he himself was waiting for something to transpire. Are you hearing me tonight? You see, the Holy Ghost came not just on a particular day, but at a particular time. And that particular time that it came was the result of a particular condition. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Go to Acts. You still in Acts 2? We're just going to kind of, it's, it's going to kind of be just 
page by page here while we're right there. So, so hang on to that. But, but go to verse 1. Read for me verse 1 and, and see what it says here. Now, I said it happened not just on a particular day, but it happened at a particular time because of a particular condition. Listen to what he said. When the day of Pentecost, when was, the fully day of Pentecost come, was fully come, they were all, they with, were one all accord, with one accord in, one, in place. one place. I'm telling you that the promise began to be fulfilled at the moment that they came together as one. Oh, I feel this tonight. I feel this tonight. At the moment that they came together as one, that's when it all started. Now, I said it began to be fulfilled. This was not the complete fulfillment of everything God intended to do. It was only the beginning. Amen. And here is what happened. When they reached that point, that they were in one accord. Everyone say one accord. They had the unity of the spirit, if you please. They had come together. They were focused on one thing. They had one goal in mind. They weren't sitting there worrying about everything imaginable. They had finally reached a place that they had a singular focus and a singular purpose and a singular goal. Oh, I feel this tonight. And when they reached that place, what happened? Read verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound suddenly from there heaven came as that of a rushing sound mighty from wind. heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled, and all, it the filled all the house where they were, where they were sitting. Verse 3. And there, and there appeared, appeared unto them cloven tongues, tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all, they filled, were with all the Ghost, filled with the Holy and Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Utterance. I submit to you tonight, uh, amen, that the promise of the Father started to be fulfilled when the people came together. The beginning of the fulfillment was at the moment of their unification. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Now, Again, it just started there because once they were filled, now once they became unified, they were filled. And once they were filled, something else happened. Let's read on verse 5 and 6. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard of them, heard them speak in his own language. And so here's what happened. They got unified. And then they got filled. And when they got unified and got filled, word began to spread. And it spread to a multitude. They began to hear about what was happening. Word began to saturate the area. People started coming together. Amen. I'm talking about not just the 120 that went there with a purpose. But I'm talking about those that had gathered there. They had a different religion. They had a different mindset. They had a different perspective but they started hearing rumblings about what was happening down among that little Pentecostal group something was taking place down there and we gotta find out what it is and the promise just started to be fulfilled at 
the moment of their unity, they were filled. The word began to spread. And then we read it a while ago in verse 41, 3,000 were added to the church that day. I want to tell you that was the first wave of revival for the New Testament church. Just the first wave. Hallelujah. That's just the first wave. The people came together. There was a unity. God honored it. God filled them. God filled 3,000 as a result of them getting filled. But that was only the first wave. There was a second wave that swept through the church. Now this was Acts chapter 2. The first wave comes. Acts chapter 4, something else happens. Amen. There is, in chapter 3, there was the healing of the lame man, which you would think everybody would be thrilled. Here's a man taken off the welfare rolls. Here's a man that all of a sudden doesn't have to beg anymore, but he's got legs. He can get out and work a job. And You'd think people would be rejoicing but instead the religious world was mad about it and that that brought about something so two things happened that brought the second wave number one was a great miracle a notable miracle took place right at the door of the Jewish church house oh praise God Right at the door of the Jewish church house, God performed a mighty miracle. And then persecution erupted. Peter and John were called in. They were rebuked. They were, they were told to stop. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Read for me the first four verses. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they have taught the people and preached through Jesus. Oh, they were upset. You know what was really upsetting them, Brother Goff, was not so much the miracle. It's what they're teaching. They didn't really like what was being taught because it kind of upset their apple cart. It's contrary to what they were used to hearing. So they were upset about what was being taught. So they called him in, read. And preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Uh-huh. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, yeah. for it was now eventide. So here comes the persecution. They put them into hold. And what happens in verse 4? Howbeit many of them many which, of heard, them the which word heard the believed. word believed. And the number and of the, the men was about 5,000. the men was about 5,000. Now listen. You got to understand, the Bible sometimes does use the term men in a generic sense. But normally when it's structured this way in the sentence, it's, it's not using it generically. It's speaking specifically. What that means is, I don't know how many women were included in that crowd. It's like when the Bible tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it specifically says 5,000 men. And then adds parenthetically, not counting women and children. So when the Bible says 5,000 men, 
it's being specific and I don't know how many women and children were added. The first wave brought 3,120. The second wave brought at least 5,000, but very possibly 15 to 20,000. Are you with me tonight? Now, we don't really like that part about the persecution bringing it on. We don't, we, we, we just kind of want to skip over that, but, but it came, it happened, it took place, but it brought about a second wave. Now I'm going to tell you, here are these 5,000 men that are added. And I'm going to tell you that not just the lost benefited a man from what took place that day. It had a direct impact on the church because the impact of that persecution was it brought the church to a place of prayer again and they began to pray again and they began to seek God again go down to verse 23 this is still chapter 4 that's all right Acts 4 verse 23 And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Read. And when they had heard and that, when they, heard they lifted that, up their voice to God they with lifted one accord. Up their voice to God. How? With one accord. Here comes unity again. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Read. And said, Lord, and said, Lord thou art God, which hath made heaven that made and heaven earth and, and the earth sea and all that is sea, in all it. That's in it. Who by the mouth of thy servant and, and, David and, and has said. And they begin to enlist all of their prayer here. And now let's go down to verse 29. And now, Lord, behold, behold thy, their threat. threatenings and grant thy, grant thy servants that thou that with all boldness, with all boldness may speak thy word. we can speak your word. And what happens in verse 31? And when they had and prayed, they the had place prayed, was shaken. This unified prayer, the place was shaken. Where they were assembled. Where they together, were assembled. And they were all, they filled, were all the Holy Ghost, filled again with the Holy Ghost. And, and they spake, spake the word the of God, word of God with Boldness, I'm telling you, it brought about a unity that caused them to pray one more time for God to grant them the boldness they needed not to back down, not to quit, but just keep on telling the truth of God's word. Oh, hallelujah. I know you don't know where I'm going today, but I know and I can't wait to get there. I'm telling you, I'm so anxious to get there. So they began to speak the word of God. Amen. And then what happens? Verses 32 and 33. And the multitude of them that believe were of one heart. And Not one only soul. did they speak boldly the word of God, but here comes this fresh baptism of unity again. And they were of one heart and, and of, of one soul. Neither said any of them and that nobody things said which he possessed was his own. That they possessed they was all their things own. Common. But they had all things in common. And what happens? Verse 33. And with great power with gave, great the power, witness gave the apostles of the witness of the, Lord of the Jesus, resurrection. And great and grace, great was, upon grace was upon them all. I submit to you that something's about to transpire. Here was a fresh baptism of unity once again. They've all got one heart. Amen. I know the devil likes to 
bring disunity. He likes to bring division. But the church had known unity before. And they came together again. And they prayed. And God brought it again. And when he did, he gave them power. And he gave them great grace. And I'm telling you, at that point, a third wave of revival swept the church. This baptism, amen, starts up now in Acts chapter 5. Go down to verse 12. Start reading for me. Acts 5 verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles, the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders, signs and wonders were wrought among the people. And they were all they were with all, one accord. They were all with one accord in Solomon's, Solomon's porch. Read. And the rest durst no man join himself to them. Right. But the people magnified them. Yes. And believers, and believers were the more added were to the, the Lord. more added the to the Lord. Now listen to this. Listen to this. First time they named 120. They named 3,000. The next time they named 5,000. But now there is such a wave of revival that the writer can't even put a number on it. He just says, oh, the best I can tell you, it's multitudes. I submit to you tonight that the third wave of revival was a tidal wave it washed over everything and everybody when that third wave came what a revival the church experienced oh hallelujah multitudes both of men and women read Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets streets and laid them on beds and couches couches. that at the least the shadow of Peter might overshadow some of them. Read. And there came there also came a multitude out multitude of the cities, round the about cities. unto Jerusalem, uh-huh. bringing, sick, bringing folks, sick folks, and them which were vexed, them with, that unclean vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed and they were every healed one. Every one. You talk about a wave of revival. Come on, church. I'm telling you, this was greater than the first wave. This was greater than the second wave. This third wave shook the world. It changed perceptions. It changed mindsets. It changed a lot of things. The Bible doesn't say these multitudes out of other cities joined up with the church. But one thing they did know, that church down there has got power. We can take our sick folks down there and we know they're going to get healed. I'm telling you, something happened in that third wave of revival that had not happened heretofore. So... And so, Pentecost, the unity of the people gathered in that upper room was the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. It was not the complete fulfillment, but it was the beginning of the fulfillment. Now listen to me. This is, I said all of that And I didn't intend to take this long to say it. But I said all that to say this. Last Tuesday night, I discussed with this church a prophecy that had been made back in 2005. We played little portions for you. We talked about it. We talked about the ramifications 
I let Brother Chad share with you how that the Lord spoke to him and said that this coming weekend, which was this past weekend at the Truth Conference, was going to be the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let me tell you something, church. I know, I know. We didn't see multitudes added. We didn't see a lot of folks coming in. Amen. We, we didn't push really for that necessarily so much as we did to get the truth out there. But we're believing that the seeds that were sown are going to be reaped. But listen to me, I don't know if you even realize just the impact that we've already seen. I, I, I think some of you are aware, a woman at the conference this last weekend, her sister attends Pastor Mays' church in North Kansas City, and she has told her sister repeatedly, I will not attend church with you. You people are crazy. I don't want anything to do with what you believe. But she showed up for the conference, and she sat through the conference, and she agreed with everything that was being taught I'm telling you we may not have seen her make a change yet but God started a work on a woman that was pushing against the church and God started tearing down a wall brother Brandon Hilton had a man with him at the conference on Saturday brother brother Brandon's been talking to him and, and talking to him and, and he said you know I, I I don't know I don't know I don't know about this baptism I don't know I don't know but after he sat through the seminar on Saturday he called brother Brandon and he said look I didn't want to say anything there because I wanted to make sure you're the one that that did it but I want you to know I'm ready to be baptized in the name of Jesus There was a young lady sitting in that conference listening attentively to everything that was said. Some of you may not have realized it, but she's got a dad that's a pastor preaching some false doctrines. But she was there and she was hungry and she was attuned to what was being said. We don't know yet what's going to come from the seeds that were planted in her heart. We sat and watched a woman that's been taught some really serious false doctrine. Serious false doctrine who didn't miss one session. She was here for every session of the meeting. And when she walked out, she came to me and said, when can I get the audio recordings? She wants to go back through it again. She wants to listen again. I'm telling you, church, we may not have seen everything right now, but there are seeds that are starting to sprout. God is starting to do something. Hallelujah. Sister Reba has been working with someone for some time who finally agreed to come to the conference. You all witnessed. We didn't make a push for this church. We didn't talk about 
this church but she not she was there Friday night and Saturday by herself but she came back Sunday morning and had her husband with her and they came back Sunday evening and she told Sister Reba yesterday she said we're going to be out of town for two weeks but as soon as we get through we're coming back to that church Oh, church, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm telling you what God said. God doesn't miss it. God doesn't get it wrong. God is never off the mark. He said it's going to begin. And I'm telling you, it's begun. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brother Nelson. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was one thing that stood out to me above everything else about this past weekend. Now, this was a joint effort. It wasn't just our church. There were other churches. But I want to tell you what I saw right here in New Life. I saw something happen. I'm just going to be honest. There's some of you I've been concerned about because I've watched you come in. You were here, but you were hanging by a thread. There was just the, the, the light of hope was going out of your eyes. I could see as you sat uh, service after service, but I've watched something happen in the last couple of weeks. As we got closer and as we came through this, I've watched that light return back into your eyes. I've seen a happiness I haven't seen in a while. And I'm going to tell you what else. I watched this church rally in the unity of the spirit like I haven't seen in 24 four years. You want to know what happened? I'm going to tell you God was just keeping his promise and it all started with the early church with a baptism of unity and that's what God did again for us. God reached down into the midst of this assembly and he brought our hearts together and he brought our spirits together and he brought our focus together and we had one mind. We had one purpose and I'm here to tell you tonight that's the beginning that's where it started that's where it started when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord you know what I saw Friday night? I saw a church in one accord. You know what I saw on Saturday? I saw a church in one accord. You know what I saw on Sunday? I saw a church in one accord. I'm telling you, uh, Brother Goff, I don't know when my heart has been so thrilled. Uh, amen. I, uh, my wife was telling me somebody, somebody or other had made a, a statement to her, said, I hope the pastor's not too disappointed. Listen to me, friend. I'm not disappointed at all. You don't have to worry about me di being disappointed. I'm so excited. I am beside myself. I am seeing the fulfillment of everything God has promised us. I see it. The seeds of revival are sprouting up even now as unity grips the heart of this congregation. We've got a purpose. We got a focus, Brother Albritton. We got our hearts together. We got our spirit. 
church together. This is where it all begins. And so the words the Lord spoke to Brother Chad, I believe, wholeheartedly. When God said that this past weekend was going to be the beginning of the fulfillment. I believe that. And I hope that you do too. I hope that you do too. Praise God. Why don't we lift our hands and thank God for it right now. Come on church. If you really believe what I'm preaching to you tonight. Why don't you thank God. Why don't you thank God. Oh hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you, I've already been in contact with the other pastors, those that helped us. I've told them, here are the dates I'm looking at for next year. We got to do this again. We got to do this again. Amen. We, we got we to gotta keep this momentum going. We, we got to keep this focus engaged. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to try to do it the same weekend. It'll be October 16th, 17th if we can nail down the dates. We've contacted Ball Center. Haven't heard back from them yet, I don't think. I hadn't, hadn't heard back from them yet, but, uh, but we're going to try to shoot for the very same weekend again. And, and, and we've talked about several things, ways that I believe God showed me that we can enhance it, that we can help it to be even better than what it was this last time. And, and I'm just telling you, church, I believe this is the will of God for us. I believe this is the will of God for us. I know it's good if we'll get out and do outreach just for our church. I know it's needful that we spend time inviting people to our church but I'm going to tell you something when we start elevating the word of God and point people back to the scriptures God's going to step in and fight for us God's going to step in and turn things around for us I've said it for years if we'll fight for his kingdom he'll fight for us if we'll defend his kingdom he'll defend us hallelujah I'm telling you church we got to keep doing this. Uh, the truth conference has got to become a part uh, of who we are and what we're doing and what our focus is. I've already been contacted by other pastors in other cities who have, who have talked to me and said, this is great. This is wonderful. I think this needs to happen. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if churches across this country start coming together and elevating the word of God, amen, quit worrying about promoting our name and start promoting his name. I'm going to tell you, God is going to sweep through this country. God is going to bring about a restoration and a revival like we've never imagined. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart. Praise God. Praise God. And so we're not, we're not going to quit inviting people here. We're not going to quit asking people to come here. But I'm going to tell you, we are going to pour a whole lot of our energies into having another truth conference in October of 2020. And we're going to see even greater results 
next time around. And I'm going to tell you something else. Some of the seeds that were planted, God's going to give us a harvest right here locally. And some of those who had seeds planted during that conference are going to be helping us with the organization and, and, and the, the, the carrying out of the next conference. And best of all, they're going to be, they're going to be firsthand eyewitnesses as to the effectiveness of elevating God's word. And they're going to be able to tell people firsthand, I was there. That's what brought me to God. That's what brought me. Hallelujah. Oh, church, I hope you're as excited as I am right now. I'm telling you, it's revival time. It's revival time. It's revival time. Oh, hallelujah. Well, there's no way. There is no way. I can teach the next lesson in 40 minutes. 20 minutes, I mean, 20 minutes. It's 40 minutes after eight now. I can't do it in 20 minutes. I'm not going to try. But I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I want you to do between now and Sunday night. And I, you know, you know, church, you know that I would rather do just about anything than ask for money. I'd rather do just about anything. I hate it, Brother Goff. I, I hate it. In fact, when I started this missionary endeavor, Bishop Howard had to reprimand me. He had to correct me. And uh, he said, you're going to have to get over that because you've got to see it as, in, as allowing people to make an investment in the kingdom of God. And I, I, I just told him, I said, Bishop, I, just, I don't like asking for money. I don't like it. I'd rather do just about anything than that. And he said, well, you've got to quit looking at it that way you got to understand the only way the work of God's going forward is if people will invest in that labor. Well, I'm going to tell you, church, between now and Sunday night, I want you to be in prayer. Last year, we kicked this off with some pledges, and you all gave so graciously and helped us to come up with the money to make the down payment on the conference center so that we had that money. And, uh, and I'm just going to ask you between now and Sunday night, would you be in prayer? Would you be in prayer as to what the Lord would have you do? We're going to have probably 30 to 60 days. It all depends on, you know, we'll give them a credit card and depends on when that hits on our billing cycle as to when that's going to come due. But we'll have 30 to 60 days to get that pledge in. But I want you to be praying. I don't want you just to do something based on emotion. I don't want you to do something based on excitement. And I sure don't want you to do it based on pressure from your pastor. But what I'm asking is pray about it and see what God would have you to do. And then Sunday night, let's come back and let's make some pledges and let's get this thing kicked off and get the ball rolling now. Let's get the ball rolling now. I'm going to tell you, we're already talking about old settlers days, a bigger and better booth. Hallelujah. In fact, we want to get signed up early enough that we get our pick of spots. I want to be in the main thoroughfare that everybody's passing by can see. Last year they discouraged us from giving out water only to have somebody else down the way handing out free food. So if they can do it, Truth Conference can too. We'll do something. Amen. We'll do something. and We're going to be praying about that. And I do believe, I believe right now, church, I really believe with all my heart, 
I believe that this church is on board with this effort. I believe that you have this vision. I believe you share this burden and you have caught my passion and I am so thankful to God that you have. There's nothing more worthwhile than promoting the word of God. Oh, listen to me. There, you listen to me, church. There's a lot of people out there. I'm hearing it more and more that are tired of sitting in churches where the word of God has been completely devalued. It's just not even important anymore. And then others, that while they may have some word, there's no spirit there. And the Bible says they that worship the Father must do so in spirit and in truth. I don't want unbalanced worship. I want it to be balanced. I want the spirit moving, and I want the word elevated. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of folks sitting in churches. Amen. I'm telling you, people that believe that they're saved just because they're attending church. And there's no spirit there to convict them. Or there's not enough word there to show them. Hallelujah. God's going to draw some folks. God's going to bring some folks. And it's because all of you have gotten on this bandwagon and we're pulling together as one body. And I am so thankful to God. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Musicians, come. See, I really can quit early. I know some of you have had a hard time believing that, but I really can. I really can. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't we lift our hands right now? Why don't we thank God once again for what he's done, what he's doing.